Welcome to the Superpowers for Good Show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Bill Houston, consultant and advocate for crowdfunding for black-owned businesses and real estate projects in underserved communities, says a local crowdfunding ecosystem, when combined with community organizing, creates an abundance of resources and opportunities. He'll also share insights about his superpower, focus. Bill, thanks for joining me today. It's a thrill to have you on the show and to talk more about the great work you're doing in the uh, crowdfunding world, especially in the African-American community. Thanks a lot. I greatly appreciate the opportunity to be on and to, uh, to talk about this work. Uh, it's a real passion of mine. It, it has to be, and I'm so glad that it is. I'm so glad that it is. I think one of the things that we have to do to start this session is to talk a little bit about the context um, Bill, tell us a little bit. It, it seems to me the data is overwhelming that women and minorities in the United States are not getting their fair share of traditional capital sources, venture capital, even bank loans, SBA loans. They're just not participating like they should be. Is that what you're seeing? Absolutely. Uh, one of the things I like to say is the data is clear and consistent. Um, that, uh, you know, in the, uh, in the African-American community, uh, less than 4% of SBA loans go to Black-owned businesses. Um, even though uh, Black women are the fastest growing demographic of entrepreneurs, um, they get less than 1% of venture capital. Um, during the, the height of the pandemic, 41% of Black-owned businesses closed. And when the PPP money came out, less than 2% went to Black-owned businesses. Uh, you know, those data points, uh, they're there, they're real. Sometimes I'm not sure that in the larger community, people really understand the human beings behind those data points um, and, and what that means and how difficult it is to, uh, to, to start a business um, with a, uh, I think the average amount of money that a Black business starts with is like $35,000. Uh, where, where that number is close to $100,000, uh, you know, in the larger community. And one reason for that um, is the uh, the racial wealth gap. Um, what what uh, I think a lot of people don't understand is that that racial wealth gap really is what prevents a lot of Black-owned businesses uh, from getting that seed and pre-seed money. Uh, those businesses, it's very hard for them to meet the criteria uh, for a VC or angels to be investable or for a bank to actually, uh, you know, make them bankable because they don't have access to that early money. It, it's not, you know, getting to the big money at the end, but it's being able to get to the place where you are ready to receive that money. And for me, that's the real focus and the real focus with crowdfunding is how crowdfunding will be able to fill that gap, that friends and family gap. And uh, and there are other projects and things going on out there. But without that uh, seed and pre-seed gap being filled and a racial wealth gap, um, you know, being taken care of, then, you know, businesses, these Black-owned businesses will never get to the place where they need to be in order to receive the larger funding. Yep. Profoundly put, uh, tragically explained. Bill, take a minute now and tell us a little bit about CrowdMax and what you're doing to try to be part of the solution to uh, create more momentum for crowdfunding 
and and why what you're doing and why yeah so uh crowd crowd max is uh it's kind of the culmination of uh, of almost a decade of work in this space um I, I got into the crowdfunding space um in rewards crowdfunding early on um there was a woman who suggested to my son and i that if we shot a really cool video people would fund our business um and um uh, so we were in this program called CAP Community Action Partnership. There were seven businesses in there. My son and I, we actually had a video marketing company called H2 Communications, and we shot these videos. She put them up on Kickstarter. And needless to say, we didn't raise a single penny, um, you know, but 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 Kickstarter was real. So I started to look into it and try to understand, wow, why is it that People raise money and people don't raise money, um, you know, on crowdfunding and through crowdfunding. So the first thing I learned was that the skill set that I had was easily transferable to crowdfunding. So I started to move into the space. I would work on people's campaigns for absolutely free uh, just to get the experience and to learn about that. Um, by, uh, by 2014, Inc. Magazine named me one of the top 19 global crowdfunding experts. Um, and, you know, I was feeling pretty good. Work was coming. I was getting some successful campaigns. 2016 came investment crowdfunding. Um, it, it, it became legal. And um, in 2017, things really started to change for me. Uh, I had an opportunity to speak at the Crowd Invest Summit in uh, Los Angeles. And while I was yep. there, we were both at that one. Yes, absolutely. That's that's the first time I met you. Uh, yep. When I when I was there, uh, there was a lady who was on stage before me. Um, her name was Kathleen Minogue. And uh, as I read uh, Kathleen's blog and some of her thoughts, uh, one of the things that really jumped out to me was uh, about education. And as I sat on that stage with all those people there, there were only a handful of black people. And I thought to myself, the community that needs this the most is the least represented there. And what that, in my opinion, really called for was education, right? Awareness, being aware um, that there are alternative solutions. Um, you know, a good friend of mine, an attorney uh, out of Chicago, um, Elizabeth Carter, she always says that you have one or two choices when you want to raise capital. Um, you can continue to try to convince people, um, you know, why you should be invested in, or you can find alternative routes, and those alternative routes are crowdfunding. And uh, you know, and, and I really try to embrace that. Um, so, as uh, as I continued working in the space, uh, I, I met uh, Linda Smith from By the Block. And when I worked with Linda, um, you know, I thought, wow, people are going to really run to crowdfunding people in the Black community because here's their opportunity to access capital. And uh, boy, was that a big letdown. Uh, so pe people really uh, didn't know, they didn't understand, and there was a real gap in the education. Um, so with CrowdMax, my goal is to actually create a platform that is a conduit between the black business community, uh, the black professional community and businesses and them being able to actually get funded. Uh, you know, I see investment crowdfunding as potentially playing a dual role. One of those is providing the needed capital for entrepreneurs and uh, real estate developers. But the other side of that equation is wealth building opportunities through inclusive investing. Um, you know, so I try to push both sides of those. And I think a lot of times there are people 
uh, and organizations that really focus on, you know, how you raise capital, how you do this. And I'm going to go back to the beginning. And the one fundamental rule that I've learned in a decade of crowdfunding is this. If you don't build an excited and engaged crowd, you will not get the funding you're looking for, period. Um, you know, when when uh, investment crowdfunding came out, you know, obviously it's very important to have compliance and all your compliance documents, your business plan, all those things. They're very important. They're vital in order to move forward. But if you don't have some investors ready to invest in your company, you're not going to get the funding that you need. Um, so what I did with CrowdMax was I actually uh, created a, um, a funnel, a Facebook group um, in collaboration uh, with the American Dream Marketplace. And, and the goal there is uh, it's called crowdfunding for the culture. And the goal there is to provide an introduction to crowdfunding to uh, to black owned businesses. Uh, you know, one of the things that we like to really push is the businesses that have successfully crowdfunded. So people see models and demonstrations of those. Um, you know, I've, I've had some successes in uh, in that space as well. Um, but I've never raised capital myself. I've only helped people, uh, you know, from a strategy perspective and a digital marketing perspective uh, to, to build their crowds and to raise funds. So I think that by, uh, you know, the community being able to see people who look like them actually working crowdfunding, I think that, uh, that, that that's something that's really good. So I developed that and then I developed two tracks. So the one track is free. Crowdfunding for the culture is a free introduction. Uh, and then I developed a track where if there are businesses that already have a crowd and they just haven't engaged that crowd, um, that, that they can be accelerated. And then the other track is uh, businesses that don't have a crowd at all and they need to start from zero. And, and we kind of call that the uh, the accelerator. And also, uh, this is kind of the last part of what it is that we do with our newsletter is to actually get this information in front of people. Um, so that they know that it exists and that it works in our community. And that's kind of the genesis of CrowdMax. Fantastic. Well, it seems to me one of the critical things to know and understand is that while crowdfunding is challenging for everyone, including African-Americans, it is a more, uh, it seems to be, a more fair and equitable place in which to operate than say the venture community and some of the other uh, marketplaces that people try to access cap capital. Is that what you're seeing? Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm absolutely seeing that, um, you know, working, uh, working with honeycomb credit. Uh, one of the things that I see is they, uh, they have a success rate um, of about 50% for black owned businesses. Um, and instead of 4%, um, you know, their actual rate is about 11%. So it's much closer to the 13% of the population represented by African-Americans. Um, uh, you know, at WeFunder, um, I've, I've kind of seen the same thing where the uh, the success rate um, is, is about on par with other companies, um, you know, uh, majority community companies. Um, you know, so yes, I have definitely seen more success, um, you know, in the crowdfunding space. And I will say that in the crowdfunding space, your money is in your crowd, right? So it's how hard you work at building your crowd, um, you know, assuming that you have a good product, right? Assuming that, um, you mm -hmm. know, being able to, to really um, message people, being able to really get people excited and engaged about what it is that you're doing. 
Um, and, and I think that the really powerful part of investment crowdfunding is that normally, especially if you have a product that is consumer facing, um, your investors are going to be your consumers uh, or your consumers are your investors, you know, depending on which way that one goes. Yeah. Um, and also they're going to be your their best brand advocates. So they are going to really help your business. And I think that uh, a lot of times uh, in the black community, people always say, you know, if, if we just spent more money with black businesses, uh, you know, buy black, buy black. And my motto is invest black and you will buy black. Sure, sure, sure. Now, one of the dilemmas that comes up in my mind, and I want you to help me think this through. Uh, folks like me, well-intentioned white people that still struggle to figure out the right ways to be allies to the African-American community, uh, want to invest in your deals. Uh, and it seems to me, the wealth gap you've mentioned a time or two is a bit of a problem for uh, an African-American entrepreneur, right? Because the, the community in which they operate, their, their, uh, their starting point uh, lacks the same wealth that uh, a, an entrepreneur in a white community would start with. And, and that it, it's a tough spot. At the same time, you talk about the importance of uh, sort of democratizing, this isn't the word you used, but the, the ownership so that there is an opportunity for people to, to invest early in companies that will create value in their own community. And so we, we want to see and encourage African-Americans investing in, in deals uh, from their communities so that everyone prospers together. But at the same time, it seems like we need to encourage white folks and others to invest in those communities as well. How do you think about that? How would you respond to that? Help us understand what to do. I think a lot of it is, is access, uh, really understanding where these companies are, what these companies are doing. Uh, you know, when, when you, when you look at the ecosystem out there, there, um, there are a bunch of these, um, platforms that, uh, that, that try to bring these black businesses together. Um, you know, so that people kind of know where they are. Uh, I, I think that that where we are right now is a great opportunity uh, because of of COVID, because a lot of businesses have had to move online. Uh, so people can access these companies online, uh, find where they are and support them either through investment or actually by being able to, uh, you know, purchase from them directly online. Um, so, you know, really understanding where these directories are, um, being intentional, right, from, from the larger community, really being intentional about trying to find a business and invest in those businesses, uh, understand who the founders are um, and, you know, what the founders, what problem they're trying to solve. And then for other, uh, you know, businesses that are more consumer facing, uh, trying to make a, a decision, being intentional about making a decision to say, you know what, today I am going to try uh, to purchase something from a black owned business. And, you know, when you start to break that down into percentages and you say, you know what, um, you know, every month I'm going to spend $50 with black owned businesses. That's when you begin to really turn the corner on this thing is when people become intentional and 
that helps that helps these these black owned businesses not only to stay in business to be sustainable uh to grow to build wealth but it also allows them to be able to sell products to a wider group of people uh, a lot of times what happens and, and i see this in the um in the tech space a lot is a lot of the tech companies um that, that are founded by black founders are companies that are trying to move black founders black businesses into the majority society and i just think wow if that same effort was put into solving problems for humankind um, think how much better that would be. Um, so being able to to really be intentional, if I had to make a suggestion to the larger community, be intentional about setting aside some dollars and spending them with black owned businesses. Uh, I, I think that's how we start the ball rolling. That's a, a great, great idea. And I'll make sure we put that in the newsletters very specifically, because I think it's such a, a clear actionable thing that people like me who, like I say, well-intentioned, want to be allies, that, that's something we can do. It's a very specific action. So thank you very much for giving us a clear action item. Bill, what is your superpower? I think it's, uh, you know, really being able to, to have a vision uh, but I think a lot of people have vision, but really being able to stay on task, because I, I tell you, this has been a really um, up and down process. Um, you know, when I when I talk about crowdfunding for the culture, uh, it, it's not as though crowdfunding for for the black community is different. But when I say that I am talking about someone who uh, is in the black community who has really tried to start a business, tried to find funding. Um, you know, so I really understand, um, you know, what that is like, but really being able to stay focused, to stay on target and to really be passionate about what it is that I'm doing, because there were a lot of really lean days, a lot of days when my family said, hey, man, maybe you need to get a job, um, you know, but but really being able to stay focused um, and that focus came from a passion. Because had it not been for that passion for what I'm doing, I would have stopped uh, and I would have done something else. And uh, and I can't discount the support that I have gotten from my family, uh, because, as I said, there have been lean times and they just, you know, they said, OK, you really believe in this and you're really trying to, to work this and make it happen. So I think that 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 is really about being focused uh, and, and kind of being driven. Um, you know, I grew up in a in a home and it was just my father and myself. And uh, he was much older than me. Uh, he came from that greatest generation. He was in World War II and uh, he wasn't a real nuanced guy. Right. He was either black or white. And he used to say there are only two kinds of people in the world, talkers and doers. And it doesn't take long to figure out which category you fall into. Um, so with with that kind of home training, um, you know, I am always trying to get something accomplished every day. Oh, fantastic. Bill, uh, that, that is a great, great insight. T tell us, if you would, how you developed that strength. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I have to give a lot of that credit um, to, to my dad uh, because he really helped me develop it, um, you know, really pushed me to do things, um, you know, always had to finish what I started. 
Uh, he used to say to me all the time, there's never enough time to do something right, but there's always enough time to do it over. So just do it right the first time. Um, you know, so th those little messages and lessons uh, were things that, uh, that that really inspired me. Uh, you know, he used to tell me that there are going to be lots of battles to fight in my life, but I need to pick the ones that are worth dying for. And those are the ones that I go for. Um, and, you know, the other thing that, that he used to really say to me, and, and I think this is um, this is really powerful and it's always kind of stood out in, in my mind, in my life and really drives me. Uh, you know, it's about luck. Uh, an opportunity, you know, being prepared for opportunities. Um, and, you know, if if I don't prepare myself when opportunities come, I won't be ready to take advantage of them. And in reality, I won't see them as opportunities because they're not opportunities because I'm not prepared for those. Uh, so I'm always trying to get something accomplished every day. And I, and I really I really have the ability to to push myself. And, you know, say, if this is what I'm going to get accomplished today, then this is what I'm going to get accomplished today. And again, that comes from my uh, my childhood, my upbringing um, and, and having a really uh, strict parent. Right. So I wasn't saying all these things, you know, 30 years ago. <laughs> these were not the things I was saying about my dad. Right. <laughs> that, that there was a there was a maturation period where I learned yeah. that what he was teaching me has been beneficial to me and to my life. Oh, that's great. How would you think through now with us a little bit? How would you encourage others, me, other people to develop that same strength? What are some of the practices daily and otherwise that we need to begin in order to emulate you to be more like Bill? I think the very first step is to find your why, to find your passion. I know that sounds so cliche today, but to find your passion. Uh, you know, this is this is my passion. This is what I want to do. So this is what I'm going to do. Uh, what is it they say? If you do what you love to do, then, then it's not work. And that has been a reality in my life. Um, you know, it is um, it is this passion that that drives me. Um, you know, it's it's what creates my vision. It, it's what creates my to do list every day is how can I make this passion come to life? How do I do that? Um, you know, behind that, you know, you, you have to be you have to be very definite about what it is that you want to do um, and you have to be determined to make sure that you do it. And then I think that last D is that discipline. You, you have to do the discipline. Uh, if you think there aren't days that I want to watch Netflix, that's just not true. I do. I, I want to watch it, but I know that I am not going to get done what needs to get done on that particular day. Um, you know, and that's where that real that that discipline, that real mental toughness comes in is being able to do what needs to be done and not what you want to do. Oh, that's great insight. Well, Bill, thank you so much for taking the time for this conversation. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to share this with with my community and uh, but before you go, I wonder if you would take a, a minute here and just tell people how they can learn more about your work, how they can find CrowdMax Publishing online, how they can connect with you on social media. And, and if you're open to it, tell people how they can connect with you more personally. Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, so you can, you can reach uh, my website at crowd-max.com. Uh, and my email address is Bill H U S T O N 
at crowd-max.com. Um, my Twitter account is crowd underscore max. Um, and LinkedIn, you can find me at uh, at Bill Houston one on LinkedIn. Uh, and, and those are the two places uh, where I tend to hang out mostly. Uh, I, I'm on Facebook, but not a lot, mostly in the Facebook groups. Um, and, you know, you, you can absolutely feel free to uh, to visit the website, reach out to me, email me. And, uh, you know, I'll go as far as to give you my telephone number. It's uh, area code 502-912-2570. Um, you know, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, please feel free to reach out to me. Uh, if I don't answer the phone, it's only because uh, I'm on a call with someone else. Um, and if you leave me a voicemail, you'll never hear from me again. So text me or email me. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Bill, I appreciate you taking the time for this. Uh, the work you're doing is incredibly important. Uh, and there are a lot of different ways that we all need to be coming together to help eliminate this wealth gap in the African-American community or between the African-American community and the white community. But uh, clearly the work you're doing is one of the critical parts of, of closing that gap. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. All righty. Let's do some good. Yes, sir. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book. Superpowers for Good as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit devonthorpe.com. Then let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together, we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.